there, I'm Michelle Bunch, and this is Enthusiasm Diaries. Enthusiasm is contagious, and in this podcast, we get to share in the enthusiasm of others and perhaps spark some of our own curiosity along the way. Thanks so much for listening. So I am here with Caitlin today. She is a friend of mine from growing up, and we've kind of reconnected with even mutual friends in our 30s now. And she is a super interesting person and has been doing um, quite a few interesting things that I think you'd enjoy hearing about. So just to start a little bit, um, Caitlin, is, um, you're, a, you're a registered dietitian, correct? Yep. And um, you've also taken on some more entrepreneurial things in the recent years. Um, so can just to start and to kind of give some background, can you tell us a little bit about just kind of what initially got you interested in nutrition? Sure. So um, growing up, I grew up in just a super healthy, active household. My mom was a really, really healthy cook. I had lunches made for me through my senior year of high school, Um, dinner on the table every night. It was all really good, healthy food. And I didn't really, I was never exposed to like much processed food. We never ate fast food growing up, much sugar, anything like that. Um, always super active as a kid too. Then I moved to the great state of Oklahoma for college (laughs) and I was exposed to so many things. Um, but you know, like with homesickness and just kind of a little bit of a culture shock for me, I ended up gaining a bunch of weight in college. Um, and of course that did a full number on my self-esteem along with my pants size and all of it. It didn't matter how much I exercised. Um, you know, I'd been an athlete playing multiple sports growing up. It wasn't like uncommon for me to basically exercise like four or five hours a day, just doing all the different things. Um, and so it was just a total shift for me kind of out of the body that I had known for 18 years. Right. Then fast forward, I moved to Denver and well, I moved back to Colorado and I just kind of naturally started losing weight, like getting back to what was my old lifestyle. I think part of that was I lived with my parents for like four well, months probably helped. when I moved back and my mom was like, here's healthy food. <laughs> um, and it kind of set me back on track, but I think there were still struggles because I didn't understand different things about myself in terms of like how you eat food, being identifying like emotional eating, which was a huge piece of it for me being so homesick. In oh, college. sure. Yeah. Um, identifying that like, it really is about nutrition and not how many hours you exercise in a day. Um, identifying like that you can't out work out a bad yeah, Diet like or whatever you they can say. say that you can like whatever run on a treadmill for like an hour to burn off a margarita, but like not really. <laughs> But still drink the margarita. Yeah, exactly. But don't run on the treadmill. (laughs) That's terrible. Anyways, so um, I just kind of learned over time, like establishing food trust and what worked best for my body. And I'm still, it's still a learning process for me and my body because I have, you know, different, different kind of digestive things still going on. But um, I think just that initial foundation that I had growing up and growing up in a super healthy household was what really kind of sparked my interest in nutrition and then going back to school to become a dietitian. Yeah. Um, and I just took it the whole way into a career. Yeah. How, how awesome. And I imagine yeah. just even kind of 
what that means for you personally with your family and then kind of what you've learned for yourself with that. Well, it's funny because, you know, I'm not even, it's not like I'm super old, but it's like, I'm just realizing how much of my parents like that I am now. Yeah. And my biggest influences from my mom are nutrition and like interior decorating. She has such great taste. And that was actually the other thing I looked at going into when I was like, do I become a dietitian or an interior decorator? Right. Um, And then so many things about my dad too. So it's like, it's coming full circle. And I feel like it's, we're still in like the first half of my life. (laughs) Well, God, that's the best thing. (laughs) Well, so tell us, because I think there's a lot of different words out there for nutrition, dietitian, health coach. Can you tell a little bit about what your degree is in? Yeah. So as a dietitian, I have a bachelor's of science in um, dietetics, nutrition and dietetics. Okay. So anyone can get that. Um, It's a certified program that you're going through. So if you want to become a dietitian, it has to be this certified like undergraduate degree for you to then go on to take, to do your dietetic internship, which is basically like dietitian's equivalent of like clinicals that a nurse would do or like a very abbreviated version of like a residency. Yeah. Um, And then to go on and take your board exam. Okay. Um, But I mean, anybody can be a nutrition student in one of these programs, but if you don't then do your dietetic internship, which is a certain amount of practice hours that you have to have, that you have to have signed up on. Right. Um, Oh my gosh, like endless case studies, a ton of work. Yeah. And then take your board exam. You're not considered a dietitian. Okay. A lot of people are nutritionists who did the undergraduate degree and then like went out in the nutrition world, but they don't necessarily or didn't initially have the practice hours um, through their dietetic internship. They haven't worked clinically. No hospital will let you in the door to treat your their patients, you know, if you're not a registered board certified dietitian. dietitian. Okay. Then there are people who are nutritionists, maybe like a lot of people who have like exercise science degrees and they've figured out nutrition in sort of like more of a gym setting. Yeah. Um, And they've gotten certain nutrition certifications and that way you can get holistic nutrition certifications. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see what else. Health coaches are, can again, just kind of be anybody. There are obviously like certifications and probably requirements that you have to be a health coach. And I think that there are dietitians that actually do health coaching just because um, our licensure is limited in different states. And so um, to counsel people outside of your own state, you can call yourself oh, a health coach, basically. Yeah. So there, there are kind of different stipulations there with, um, you know, it's kind of like an attorney practicing only in states where their bar exam has oh, made right. them a licensed Eligible. practitioner. Yeah, yeah. So same thing as a dietitian. Okay. Um, so basically a dietitian though, you know, if you're talking to a dietitian that you have somebody that has this incredible foundation of knowledge based on science and anatomy and physiology and the way things work in our body all together. Right. Um, and then we also have just very like the Western view of how to approach nutrition and the body. And I think, um, dietitians that are interested will then go and kind of get more of a holistic approach, or maybe they want to be more of a plant-based dietitian. That's where you kind of get people more in their specialties. Um, but a dietitian is like the 
board certified nutritionist, the person who has had the practice hours, the education, okay. and there's, there's no, um, like question about where they kind of got their education and information. Right. Probably a lot of evidence-based, mm-hmm. um, things as well. Yeah. Everything we do is evidence-based. Um, and so, so that's really helpful. I think just to hear that, cause I think I, even in times I've worked, I work in a hospital setting. I hear the terms thrown around quite a bit. And so it's helpful just to kind of know what the Well, sometimes is. you walk in a hospital room and you're like, I'm the dietitian," And people are like, the what? And I'm like, the nutritionist. <laughs> yeah. Well, technically, we actually call ourselves, we're trying to like sort of take back the word nutritionist and we're RDNs or registered dietitian nutritionist now. Oh. And so um, I think that kind of helps people I don't know if it also makes it more confusing but I guess we'll find out we'll, we'll soon find yeah out. exactly so after after you graduated with your degree and finished all your clinicals then you kind of started working I think you're still at the same job now since yeah. you graduated can you yeah. tell us about that so I started just kind of doing as needed coverage in the hospital where I did all my clinical okay. um, hours. And I knew from being an intern that if I was going to work clinically, I wanted to work in bone marrow transplant where I had done a two week rotation and fell in love with it. What did you like about it? So I think what I like about it is that oftentimes in a hospital, you've got people that are coming in. They're maybe admitted for a week and then they're leaving. And so the relationship building piece of it isn't there. And the follow-up piece of it right. isn't necessarily all there. Um, and that, of course, is generally speaking. But I saw the relations, like the in-depth relationships that um, those dietitians were building with their patients. But then also how much a part of the clinical team they were. And I think that that isn't always the case for dietitians. Right. Um, and probably a lot of sort of ancillary practitioners in the healthcare world. And so I loved that you were truly a piece of the team. And not only were you a piece of the team, but you really were considered the, or we are considered the experts. Yeah. And I appreciate that so much that I'll have a doctor or a mid-level default to me for my opinion on how we should treat a patient a certain way, um, nutritionally speaking. And so um, it's nice because, you know, you've worked so hard to be an expert in your field. And unfortunately, I think in a lot of, um, situations, nutrition isn't taken as seriously as it needs to be Mm -hmm. in the part of the healing process or the part of the disease process that so many people are readmitted for. Oh yeah. Um, and it's just such a foundational thing that affects our health. So I saw that and just gravitated to it. And then harassed my now boss for hours <laughs> and finally a job opportunity came up and I got the job so I've been there I think maybe like five years now so what else kind of has kept you there during that time oh gosh um I mean I think just it's for it wasn't really an entry-level job and I got the job and so my mind was like blown for the first year yeah. and a half I think I was mentally exhausted every day just learning everything I had to know um I never thought being a dietitian, I would have to know like the medications, like I know them. Now I know like chemotherapy regimens and all the anti-rejection drugs yeah. and antifungals and antibiotics and all of this stuff and why and how that affects somebody nutritionally. Yeah. Um, so I think that's been a huge part of it. And then I absolutely adore everybody that I work with so much. Um, people. Yeah. The people that I work with are so incredible and you 
you have to have a heart for it. Um, it's not just a job that you do to like get your foot in the door of a hospital, like being so specialized. You have to want to be there. Yeah. So So you're also with people that really want to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone is really exceptionally dedicated to their job and people are going above and beyond every single day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And then, so, and then you've, so you've been there for five years and then I don't know how long ago it was, but you've also recently, somewhat recently Mm -hmm. started a blog. Can you tell us about that? So after I was done having my mind blown by the (laughs) vertical learning curve of my job and taking my advanced certification um, to feed people, I suddenly had all this time on my hands because I literally had gone from like school to my dietetic clinical, like six, six or nine months, however that was. And then to starting this new job and then studying for this new test. And then all of a sudden I had taken the test and I only had to work 40 hours a week. And I was like, what do, what do, I do, do with people myself? do with every time? I was a little lost. And so, um, as I mentioned before, I'd always thought about interior design and I have this, my actual first degree that I got in college the first time was in advertising. So I have this whole other really creative side of my brain. So yeah. I have like the sciencey side of my brain, which melds well with also wanting to help people. Yeah. And then I have this creative side of my brain and those two don't really intermingle much where I work. And so the blog came about because I just felt like I wanted to be a creative outlet yeah, for myself and for other people to kind of read about all the things I'm constantly thinking about. And I think I've, I've probably been uh, accused of being a know-it-all before, but truly when I, when I see things that I get excited about or I figure out how to do something or like, I know that you can get all these great bargains at this place and this is where you should buy all your pillows or like whatever. <laughs> I want everybody to know, like I really do. And so this felt like a way that I could just like give people information that I thought was interesting or share what I'm cooking or share some nutrition information, but just a way to sort of tap into that creative side. That is so awesome. So it's, it's part interior decorating blog, right? It's part. It started that. So it was originally named, um, the white fig nutrition and nest. And I won't even go into the name. It's a kind of a funny story, but, um, it's a story for another time (laughs) anyways. So White fig, nutrition, and nest. I was like, oh, that sounds so clean and crispy. I can kind of put anything under it. Um, And, you know, as I'm building the white fig empire, and then you actually start doing it, and you realize how much time and work it takes to put up something that felt worthy and good enough for people to read. And I definitely am a bit of a perfectionist in that way. So it was taking me a really long time. Um, and, and then you start thinking like, oh, well, I've seen all these other bloggers make money. I want to make money. I want to make more money. And then as soon as it becomes about money and not about your creative outlet, um, the pressure that comes into it makes it almost like for me, almost a little bit paralyzing because you get idea overload. You think like, oh, I have to start doing X, Y, and Z so I can get this many followers on my Instagram so I can start working with brands. And then it's like this pressure thing, whereas like really it started because I just wanted to tap into a creative outlet. So 
anyway like why your why changes exactly a little bit. and like the the excitement and passion behind it kind of went away and it just felt really overwhelming so now it is really just nutrition okay um and and i mean honestly i haven't done a whole lot with it because i also started a nonprofit last year and that <laughs> is like a part-time job so I want to hear more about that. Yeah. I do just want to ask you yes. because my personal favorite on your blog has been Thursday's Five. Thursday's Five. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So Thursday's Five was like my way of not having to post about any home stuff or nutrition stuff if I didn't want to um, because I love skincare. I love makeup. I love clothing. I love the outdoors. Um, I don't know. I have so many different things that I really am constantly thinking about. So it it was kind of my post on Thursdays that was just like a list of five things under one topic. Can you um, give like a couple examples? Yeah. Like so there was one like spoonula. Yeah. Um, so there's one that I did before the holiday. There were actually a few that I did right before the holidays. I got some good feedback on one was, and this is the holidays of 2017. Um, one was host of like affordable hostess gift. Yeah. Um, I've always like grew up, you never come to a home empty handed and you know, so like if all you can do is a bottle of wine, that's awesome. Um, but I love, I just love like that extra thoughtful step and even, and like, it's so much easier now with Amazon. It's so much <laughs> to easier. To be thoughtful. <laughs> with everything. But... Very last minute. Yeah. So, um, I got a lot on that and my favorite, favorite, uh, a lot, excuse me. I got a lot of good feedback from that post and my favorite kitchen appliance is the spoonula (laughs) (laughs) from Williams Sonoma. It's like a silicone spatula spoon thing. And it's so amazing. It's life changing. (laughs) Um, I brought my brother, I bought so many people spoonulas they have like star wars and plaids so you can really kind of like customize, customize personalize it to the, personal, it. Yeah, to the personality um and i'll often just tie that up with a bottle of wine and but anyways another one i had was a beauty post or not even beauty i think it was just like my favorite skincare favorite skincare and makeup like game changers yeah and I had some more expensive things, some drugstore things. I think that's kind of the boat that a lot of us are in. Like, right. what's worth it to spend money on? I'll do it. But, like, otherwise, do I not need to spend money? Yeah. Um, and then, like, healthy versions of different holiday recipes, I think, was another one. So I had a lot of good feedback on Thursdays 5, and I haven't done it in so long. And it's the number one thing I get requests <laughs> for. So... I would love uh, if you brought I know, it back. I know. A lot of people have said that. I'm so, yeah. I probably will at some point. Yeah. need to actually, like, start thinking about it again. But but as you were saying, there were some other things that kind of took your attention. So you started a nonprofit around the same time. Yeah. So I get, oh, my gosh. I'm somebody with, like, so many ideas. But the problem is I don't always know how to execute them. Well, I ended up kind of having a conversation with uh, Lisa Dowd, the Kate, not the case manager, the resource manager um, in the clinic I work in. And I was talking about the food insecurity of mm-hmm. one of my patients. And it's like, it's totally out of my hands. I can right. help you as much as I can help you when you're in the doctor's office and I'm there with you or when you're on our hospital side and I can literally like really Feed help you. you in that way. Yeah. But when you're home, you know, I can, there are certainly like resources and funding Mm -hmm. and, you know, 
things like Project Angel Heart, but sometimes those aren't always the right fit for patients or the funding only goes so far. Right. And so, um, I mean, any health problem is not inexpensive, but the, the cost of having heme malignancy specifically, and then if you're somebody who does have complications after transplant or even just from treatment, um, and then also you don't even have to have just like, you know, I think it's like so many people, we say you have to qualify for like 300% above the poverty line. Right. It's, it's not hard to qualify for that because if you have lost a household income because you can't go back to work or whatever, anyways, just the, the constant need for more resources. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's true in like just a million other areas of disease in the world that I don't deal with on a daily basis. Um, it was apparent to me that like, I just felt like I needed to do more, but there was only so much I could do as a dietitian in my job, because obviously my scope of practice doesn't really extend to like finances. Right. Yeah. It's a little beyond really your scope. To. Yeah. But you were seeing the impact. Yeah. I was seeing the impact. So anyways, we kind of talked to the right people and the ball just started rolling. And now we have the Rocky Mountain Blood Cancer Assistance Fund. And we've had, we started finally being able to fundraise um, in Q4 of last year. And we raised $75,000 in Q4. Oh my gosh. I know. We, I didn't we, realize we it was that much. I didn't either until somebody <laughs> told me the other day. Um, and then we just had another really successful fundraiser last week, and we're going to do our first golf tournament this year. So, so awesome. we're finally kind of to the point where a lot of the just nitty gritty stuff is done and we can fundraise. And we're, we've also started awarding patients with money. So wow, that's exciting too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But it's a lot of work. So I really quit blogging in 2018 because I had no idea what I was getting myself into. <laughs> right. Right. And so it, and so, okay. So I'm trying to just wrap my mind around it. So you have a, your full-time job mm-hmm. and then you've, you've been doing the blog, but then the nonprofit. Yeah. Yep. And so like, where, where do things sit now? Like you're, oh my God. Well, also at the end of last year, I was like, I'm starting a private practice. Oh my gosh. Okay. So where things sit now, I have realized, like, I sort of touched on this before, but you cannot choose to do things because you think that they're going to make you money. Right. You really have to do things because you want to do them. We were talking about this earlier. It's just like, there's this pressure of like, okay, can I monetize my blog? Can I create this Instagram following? Oh, but I want to make, I want to make more money now. So the way to do that is by doing what I already know how to do well. And that's private practice with right. really specific health problems, for instance, that I could help people with. Cause and what, what you were, what you were going to do is kind of supplement your, well, I guess you're running a nonprofit and yeah. your full-time job with taking on some private nutrition yes, account, yes, clients, and private correct. clients. And I've had, I have had a few, um, and it's been, and it's been fine. Mostly I've just helped a ton of family and friends, which mm-hmm. I would rather just do that for them than ever make someone that I know and love pay me. Right. <laughs> but, um, I think what I've really found out is like, in terms of, you know, time is valuable. And I work, I work for 10 hour days. I'm often just gone for 12 hours on those days. Mm -hmm. So then coming home and thinking about having to then do nutrition counseling for somebody, 
um, most of the time I'm coming home and actually working on the nonprofit, there's just not enough time in the day for it. And it's too much and it's exhausting. Right. So it's like, I've sort of had to come to Jesus with myself of like, where's your time best spent? Because you're doing a lot of things for other people, but you're, you know, what is, what is all of this doing for you? Right. And Are you taking care of yourself. Yeah. So the private practice is still there. I'm not like actively recruiting for it, but if people ask, I will, I a hundred percent am happy to help them. And I do. And so I'll, I usually have like, I don't know, maybe like one client at a time and we just kind of do it on their time frames. Yeah. So, um, so that's been good just to kind of take the pressure off of that. And then now that the nonprofit is, um, legit we you know we're, we're legit with the irs we have our bylaws we have all the things all the nitty-gritty and we can kind of do the fun fundraising now yeah um i've been able to delegate a little bit more and so i think i'm getting a little a little more time back from delegating which is something i've had to learn to do um especially when it's the thing that you created you're like am it's i gonna hard. let somebody else do this but you have to and and it turns out other people are really good at doing things so who knew yeah i know so um so yeah where things sit now is still doing nonprofit, still doing my full-time job and thinking about coming back on the blog in a way that is me being respectful of my own time, but giving people content that they would want to read. So doing yeah. like the Thursdays five, because that was fun. Everybody liked it. And Everybody then, liked it. Yeah. And then I'm always, um, I'm always cooking, always cooking, always inventing recipes. I mean, literally every single day. So there's no reason I shouldn't be putting that on. The yeah. We would love to know because <laughs> that is one thing I can never get enough of is just ideas yeah so. so and I'm here like I'll I'll ruin something but because it's just me and I've like spent all this money on ingredients I also eat really questionable things <laughs> so maybe I should start posting those too so all failures and the successes like, don't do these don't combine these ingredients yeah so anyways yeah. so those are some things you're kind of thinking of for yeah I think it's what I'm thinking of is like how can I still do the blog and the Instagram taking the monetizing pressure off of it and bringing right. it back into like the initial point, which was just enjoyment and, and do being an outlet for yourself. Yeah. 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 Well, we're, I'm looking forward to, <laughs> to seeing what comes from that. Yay. Um, Love it. You, you mentioned cooking. Can you just tell a little bit about your favorite recipe? Or, okay. I know you probably, it's almost an unfair question, but like how about, let me say favorite, like weeknight, easy, something people can do when they so don't favorite okay favorite weeknight easy okay is like your one one sheet meal one sheet pan pan sheet pan sheet pan i think sheet pan meals where you just lay the foil down you put everything in there and you cook it all at the same time same temperature one pan one pan yeah so like Easiest things to do is um, finding different veggies that you like. So I'm a proponent and believe that every meal should have a serving of like a healthy starch and or fiber. Okay. Um, a healthy amount of fat and a healthy amount of protein. And then you just fill the rest in with vegetables. Okay. And so like for me, a one pan meal would probably be like 
dicing up a small sweet potato or something. Uh-huh. I'd actually would throw it in the microwave first because I no one has time to bake a whole yeah. potato. It just takes forever. Yeah. So you just do it in the microwave. Then then you dice it up. Then you throw it on your sheet pan and you put in whatever marinated like veggies that you want. So your sweet potatoes, your starch, your veggies are the filler. Right. And then um, like a piece of salmon or chicken or whatever. Like it's so easy. Yeah. And you just dice it up or smash it down, whatever. Don't put in like a whole chicken breast because that takes forever. To, yeah. Not forever, but longer than dicing it up. Um, And then it's all about your seasoning. So I think that's the thing. Like you can have really, really simple, delicious food. Right. If you know how to season your food. I'm also like a condiment connoisseur. And I know people are like, oh my God, there's so much added sugar. But like really, if you're reading your nutrition labels, there's so many, so many great products out there now that you don't Maybe you could do a Thursday five five of your favorite favorite condiments. condiments. (laughs) I would love it. <laughs> One through five are different kinds of mustard. I can tell you. Oh, that. I, I love godly amount of mustard. I love mustard. It's so weird. <laughs> Maybe you do a mustard and then like an other yeah. category. Spoiler: the first one is yellow mustard. But <laughs> yeah, I can, I'll do. There's just five mu- top five mustards. mustards. Mine would be just like a Dijon. Yeah, I can't get enough. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> it's I love so it. Good. You can make it into anything. So that would be the easiest weeknight meal. And if you just go on like Pinterest and put like sheet pan meal, there are so many ideas, so many great vegetarian ideas too. So everyone can do it and it's really healthy okay, and affordable. Yeah. Um, my favorite, favorite meal. So I am dairy free and okay. I am, I, I don't, I don't claim like anything really besides just that I'm dairy free and then I eat. I would say an 80% plant-based diet. Okay. But because I'm dairy-free, it's helped me figure out more things about a plant-based diet just because I've had to find so many alternatives for different things in the dairy world that I love. Yeah. So the minimalist baker, she's one of my all-time favorites. She's vegan and her whole thing is like 10 ingredients or less in 30 minutes or less. Okay. So it's like the Rachel Ray of veganism, but it's whole foods. It's so good. So one of my favorite ones, recipes of hers and all time recipes in life is like a, it's like a sweet potato zoodle. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Zoodle. 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 Yeah. And, um, a cashew cream sauce, um, with kale chips and there's a ton of garlic in it. And then, um, oh my gosh, kale chips, garlic. Oh, roasted garbanzo beans. Oh, yeah. It is one of the best things I've ever eaten. And the cashew cream sauce is so easy to make. I'll just make it needed as dip. Like really? Anything I can put that stuff on, I <laughs> eat it. It's like my ranch now. It's your new Besides ranch. mustard, but yeah but yeah that's my favorite probably all-time recipe but my favorite food so then here's the whole other side of things this is why i can never be vegetarian is because my favorite food is a meatball right i don't know yeah i'm not gonna claim anything right just eat a lot of and i actually really appreciate you saying that because i i just feel like there's a lot of like and i'm sure you get this all the time and this could be a whole nother discussion but like I'm keto, I'm doing whole 30. And I mean, this is your whole world. I'm oh my plant-based, I'm all these things. And yeah. I think it's really confusing. And, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of pressure of like, what should I be doing? And so to just hear you say, this is like what I do mostly, mm-hmm. or I do 
is just kind of refreshing because it's. Well, I think it's part of understanding, like, I think what most people don't know and how could you, if you weren't like inundated with nutrition information every day or having these conversations every day, like a dietitian would be is, is eating foods that help your body to function at its best. Right. I mean, like they say your entire immune system is located in your gut and it's true. Yeah. And so if you're damaging that with foods that your body doesn't digest, even if they're healthy foods, it's, really not good for you. And so, you know, that's something I've learned too in my journey of nutrition is like not only just food trust, but listening to my body and saying like, how do you feel? Like there are plenty, I think part of the reason I have like tinkered with being vegetarian (laughs) before. Um, and there are a lot of plant-based sources of protein that my body cannot digest. Like it's terrible. And I feel awful, like worse than if I just ate a piece of date right you know and so I'm like well I'll probably still eat red meat then because a I love it and yeah, not all the other things aren't agreeing with yeah you. and so it's just kind of like having a respect for your body and knowing what works best for you and I don't think there's, there's any right or wrong way to do things and I think there's so much so much confusing and conflicting so confusing stuff out there and like I think that keto is great if you have certain health problems I do not think it's for the everyday person the same with you know well, I'm not even going to name other diets, but <laughs> there, there's just like so many different ways and approaches that you can have for nutrition. Mm-hmm. And I think as a practitioner, if you limit yourself to one way of thinking, um, you can sometimes do more harm than help. Right. And I think because people just want to know what to do. And if they're coming to you as an expert, you have to be, you have to be someone that they can trust to give them like a good opinion on what it is they're doing and, and their budget for food and all the other things that kind of affect their lifestyle and, and convenience foods and time to cook and things like that and access to food and where they grocery shop and what neighborhood they live in and Right. How many mouths they're feeding. So otherwise it's not, there's no chance yeah. of success. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, it's funny as a dietitian, um, I have patients, I have patients give me books all the time about food, tell me podcasts all the time about food. Um, I have a lot of people that send me all this information too. And I think it's all really interesting, but there's no way I can possibly like watch every documentary, read every book, listen to every podcast. And, and sometimes for me, it's just too much information. So I don't even look at it because I'm like, I know science and I know how the body works and yeah, you know, and, and And we're also, what what works for you and I know what works for me. And so I have to respect that like everybody has just different bodies. Yeah. Well, so hearing that, like, what are the questions most people come to you with? Because yeah. Is it, is there like one or two questions that are always asked or like things that you've just in your experience, people seem the most confused about? Oh gosh. I think everyone's confused about everything. There's so much information. The number one thing isn't even a question. It's just people saying like, just tell me what to eat. (laughs) And I'm like, well, it's not that simple. Again, because everybody tolerates and digests differently. Right. Um, I think I would say in the clinical setting, I get asked a lot about like, so should I be eating organic and non-GMO or like, what do you think about eating meat? Those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, 
I get asked a lot about like high antioxidant diets. Sure. Um, and you know, what should I be doing to prevent cancer? And, you know, it's like, well, you're in here because you, unfortunately you already have it. So we're right. past the preventative point right now. And it's kind of like, what do we need to do to keep you healthy while you're in treatment? So, um, I try to really offer a perspective to people, to patients that I treat in a way that is like, this is what's important for you right now. And this is your nutrition goal right now. And then this is going to be the other nutrition goal when you are through this crappy part of treatment and that will readjust and realign with the way that you want to live your life. But this is what we're going to focus on right now. So get off the internet, right? Quit doing all the research, quit worrying about what you think you should be doing or what food you should be eating. Um, and I'll tell you what I know to be true again, that's evidence-based. I'm not right. going to tell anyone anything that's not supported by research. Um, and then, but like if people come in and they're vegan, I a hundred percent support that. Or if they come in and they're gluten-free or paleo or whatever, like whatever people want to do, I support it the best that I can. Because yeah. again, I recognize that we all have a different view and a different journey. And I'm not being a good practitioner if I don't support that, especially when they're going through something like fighting cancer. Now, if you're talking about just like the general public and my friends and all of that, again, it's always different discussions about the different diets, um, a lot lately about kind of all of the chemicals that are in our food, which is really scary. Yeah. Um, I think the latest thing in the news is all the weed killer that's in wine. As oh, we no, said, I didn't even wine. know that. It's okay. Someone told me yesterday, you just have to be drinking like gallons of wine. Okay. So we're safe. Yeah. Um, no, but, you know, so just kind of learning more and more things about the food industry too. And again, like as a dietitian, I think I have more access to and knowledge of different resources that I would trust for this information. Yeah. Um, but I still have to seek it out too. It's not just like, I don't just know it because I'm a dietitian. So staying up to date. Yeah, exactly. Staying up to date is something I definitely make time for. Probably every morning I have a few different emails that I get in my inbox that are just about nutrition. So maybe you should put those on the Thursday five. I know. Well, I think, you know, I think some are like exclusive dietitian. Oh, okay. okay. But not all of them. Okay. Maybe some of your takeaways. Yeah, they're really interesting and it's good because you've got to stay up to date to date on that stuff because of all the questions. So I don't know. I think, I think in like civilian life, I get a lot of questions that would say mostly about just the different diets and what do you really think of this diet? And like bad diet kind of things. Yeah. Or, or like, just... again, like I think there's a time and a place where keto is really appropriate and can really help people. And I think that there are really interesting diets that help people with um, MS that aren't like super well known. And so it's just like, it's like, there's just not like an answer, one answer for everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think just hearing the honestness of that and that there's not some like, there's not some magic, magic diet that if we all do, it will be the, but it sounds like it's more about knowing your body, finding what works for you. Sounds like food. That's actually food. Yeah. Real food, whole foods. How do you, how do you, I mean, truly, I mean, like this is so annoying and I really hate that I say it, but it's like, it is, it's a balanced diet and yeah. like living that lifestyle. 
and then eating the foods that you need to eat within that balanced lifestyle, whether you are vegan or you eat everything, um, you know, understanding what your body tolerates and what it doesn't. And then, you know, what are the things that like kind of your health ailments, you mm-hmm. can heal so much through nutrition mm-hmm. and stress. Right. <laughs> sure. Which that's, that's but the that's part too we true. About I know, <laughs> but that's like looking at health from an integrative approach, which yeah. Is, yeah. So interesting. It's so interesting. And I wish so many times as a dietitian, I wish that I had like a degree in, in counseling or therapy or something like, or like as a dietitian that I knew all the holistic things too, because Mm -hmm. I know so much of the Western side of medicine. And again, I can go and learn the holistic things, but I wish that that sometimes was a part of my foundation so that I could, so that I could have kind of a better uh, view, I guess, of, of everything that I'm looking at. And yeah. so much of the time I have to just kind of, kind of research in little minute tidbits. Sure. As so. you have the time to yeah, do so. Because I have so much time. Yeah. <laughs> well, just kind of in summary, like kind of getting to touch on all the things that you've been doing um, in the past, even five years, like what are some of those moments as you look back where you kind of feel like, in your, in your full-time job, in the blog, in, in trying to find a creative outlet, the nonprofit, like, and then even, um, maybe start there, but I'm also curious personally, like in your free time, like when do you feel the most alive? Um, I would say in my free time, 100% of the time, the one thing I know I can go and do that will bring you just like that really happy full feeling in your heart mm-hmm. is skiing yeah I live for it <laughs> I the really best. do yeah um even if it's a cold day I probably ski more by myself than I do with other people not that I don't like skiing with other people I love skiing period so yeah. I'll go ski with anybody but it is like the surefire way to feel happiness mm-hmm. um and I can be in the biggest funk or bad mood and I can go do it and it is like a cure-all every single time mm-hmm. um I think as I'm getting older even just like spending more time with my family is something that is becoming a bigger and bigger priority yeah um and then I think the little the the few times that I'll actually have patients tell me that like I helped them um, it doesn't happen a lot and, and that's fine. I don't need to hear it all the right. time, but the few times, in fact, last week I had somebody tell me how much she appreciated my approach to her care. Oh, wow. And as a clinician, it takes a long time to figure out, like, how do you approach these really tough conversations telling somebody who has been fighting this battle forever? Um, like, Hey, you're not able to eat enough to support your body's needs. And this is like an adult that has lived their whole life supporting their body's needs. And it's just like another added layer. And so it's a really sensitive conversation and I want to be the one to have that conversation with them. And so I had this patient tell me the other day, um, how appreciative they were of how I approached it. And I just was like, that's maybe one of the nicest compliments. And then how much I had actually helped the patient right. um, with a few of the things that they were struggling with. And you, you don't hear it every day. And I think that's probably true. Of so that like every profession. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've had a few times in my career where I've had people, I think one 
one guy's wife told me that I saved his life. And I was like, that's really nice. But he also got like a whole chemotherapy <laughs> regimen and a transplant. I think that had something to do with it too. But the the weight of what my piece of their care kind of played and how they yeah. viewed how it all went. Um, you know, I was a surprised to hear that, but B, it felt really good. Like, cause you know, we all have days where we're like, am I even helping anybody? Right. You know, am I even so, doing? Yeah. yeah. So it's nice. You know, it's not all the time, but when it happens, it's, it's like the best feeling and it reminds you why you do what you do and why you go above and beyond and, you know, right. start a nonprofit. <laughs> My God. <laughs> well, and it, it strikes me too, like the relationship component of that too. Like, 100%. yeah. So yeah. feeling like you're invested, involved and yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to that, I think. So. There's a lot to it. And, it, you know, like I said before, you really, to to work in healthcare, A, but I think to work in cancer care, um, it's definitely one of the specific areas where you've really got to have a heart for it. And so to feel like an expert in doing what I do now that I've been doing it for five years and, you know, such a part of my medical team and then is such a part of my patients' lives, it all plays into um sort of just the fulfillment that you get from your job knowing that you really really are impacting their lives right well that's awesome well I appreciate talking to you so much and look forward to seeing what comes next for you oh my gosh especially those who knows I want want that blog back on the top five five. mustard I want it (laughs) (laughs) well thank you so much yes thank you Thanks so much for listening. Please leave a review and share with a friend. And if you're enthusiastic about something and want to share it, please contact me at michelle at enthusiasmdiaries.com.